0: Welcome to another episode of Onshore. I'm Nai and I'm Sim. And today we're joined by two guests. So, Sammy, thanks again and welcome back to the show.
1: Hi, I'm happy to be here. Looking forward to it.
0: Brilliant. And we're really privileged to be joined by Ryan. Hey, Ryan.
2: Very excited. Hello, Nai. How are you doing? Very excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. All
0: right then. So, we saw your
3: film, The Education of a Negro, which has just been released here in the UK. And um, I suppose the first thing we wanted to ask you is like, what's inspired you to make a film, especially with that powerful title?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the title comes from a a book from 1933 Mm -hmm. uh, by a gentleman named Carter G. Woodson here in the, uh, in the United States. And he wrote a book called The Miseducation of a Negro. His parents were slaves. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was just talking about the importance of, the Negro people, uh, particularly cause I know slavery ended, I think, in, in the UK in like 1832. It was outlawed, or maybe even earlier than that. But here in the States, we fought a war and it was just a mess. <laughs> um, but anyways, he was giving essentially a playbook to first generation freed uh, Negroes about how they should move forward and how important it was to educate yourselves, not to fall into a trap of letting um, the traditional education system kind of educate your kids, learning to do for yourself, learning to own your own businesses, just how important that was to future generations. And it's been one of my favorite books for over a decade long before I made this movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I looked back with kind of all of the uproar we've had, I don't know, probably two dozen, three dozen police killings of Black males and Black females over the last like three to four years, and it's caused a lot of racial strife here in the states. um And I think you guys caught some of that in the George Floyd protests this summer, if I'm not mistaken. I thought there yep. was like we a did, big yeah. like type of riot, or like you know, like somebody got ran over with a horse. And I like, <laughs> yes, they <laughs> yeah, did. And now that we should laugh. laugh for but yes, you yeah, oh, know, I was good. like, wow, oh, this is <laughs> this is crazy. But anyways. Uh, His point was like you have to if you don't learn to do for yourself now then you're just setting up generations to come for failure because they're just going to be reliant on the same system that enslaved them the same system that subjected them to Jim Crow, so Mm -hmm. on and so forth. So I decided when I decided to make the film, I thought there is no better title to convey the message that I'm trying to get across than to play on that book, The Miseducation of a Negro, and like Lauren Hill. I don't know how old you all are, I'm 40. So like Lauren Hill was a very popular artist here in the States. Mm-hmm. He had yep. an album called mm-hmm. The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. There was a movie in like the 70s called The Miseducation of Sunny Carson. Mm-hmm. So it's a popular trope for people to kind of play on that. And mm-hmm. I just thought, you know what? This is a powerful title. It brings people in, it draws people in. It can be a marketing kind of thing, but then it gets it helps get my message across for people who see the film. So that was really the background for the, you know, was, I tried to be as purposeful mm-hmm. because I was a first-time filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I tried yeah. to be as purposeful as I could with every single element of the, uh, of the film. And I think it's paid off, so
0: good yeah. To
2: see.
0: I mean, it's a great movie, Ryan. When did you start writing the script for the movie then?
2: Yeah, so June of 2017. Okay. Wow. I had always been, yeah, I'd always been a pretty good creative writer in college, but I went into business, um, and my English lit professor tried to get me my senior year in college. He tried to get me to go into creative writing, and um, to be honest, business just paid too well. So yeah. I as an analyst, and I, you know, I wanted to make money, so I did that, but um, there was a brother here in the United States named Philando Castile. And he was killed in 2016. And his girlfriend
4: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, Facebook lived the murder. I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah, it was like one of the first ones where they were using a video camera. And um, I thought if there was anyone that was going to go to prison, it would be this cop because it was just so egregious. Mm. But a year later, the cop went on trial and he was acquitted. And then I thought, you know, I need to say something about this. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to do Facebook posts or Twitter posts. I didn't think they were powerful enough. So I, um, I decided I wanted to make a movie. And I never made a, made a movie before, but it was simple enough. And I followed all the steps and I met all the right people. And, um, you know, I said, all right, I got to write the script. That's, you know, I know I need a script. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just started writing. And that was all the way back in June of seventeen. Of That's bold. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It takes a long time. I didn't realize this. It takes a very long time to make a movie, Uh, even a movie with the, you know, the medium range quality that we had. Obviously we didn't have any big actors in our movie Mm -hmm. or anything like that, but it just takes a long time to get it right. And I realize now why the people in Hollywood make so much money, Mm -hmm. because it takes a long time to make an Avengers or, uh, you know, James Bond movie, it's just a lot of effort that goes into it, so.
1: It also takes a a lot of people, because I noticed that you had 97 cast and crew uh, involved in the movie. And I just wondered, like, who who funded the movie? How did you manage to, uh, you know, bring all those people together and and make a movie, you know, to to then reach Amazon Prime over here, which I think is a great achievement. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. First and foremost, it was the people's willingness Like I said, there was nothing sexy about this project. We didn't have Denzel, there's Spike Lee or, you know, Mm -hmm. but we found what we we found when we went out to LA, because we shot the film in LA over 25 days, is that there were a ton of really good people at the start of their career who had the skills and just needed the opportunity. And so we were lucky enough to get, you know, camera people, sound people, Um, like Sammy pointed out, I mean, we had 97 Mm
1: -hmm. and that's
2: not a lot. Some of these films can have three, four or 500 people, you know, over the course of a film. Um, so we were really just lucky that we were able to make it in LA and people, I think first thing they liked the script and they liked what the movie was going to be about. And so they were like, yes, sign me up. And then I don't know how much you guys know about LA, but there are a ton of film schools out there. And then that's Mm -hmm. where everybody kind of goes when they want to be in film. And when they can't get a job at Sony or Disney or wherever, then you're like, hey, I'll take you. Do you want to make $25 a day? And they're like, sure. <laughs> I'm like all right. That's hey. hope for me then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we self-funded, to answer your question more directly, Sammy, we self-funded mm-hmm. the, uh, the film with a little bit of investment from mm-hmm. family and friends. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been in business, so it was, it, that part wasn't, like The budgeting and the capital management part was pretty easy for me, where I think some other directors who are more creative and artistic, that's a challenge for them. My challenge as a director was getting up to speed on all of the things like, I needed to know to be able to direct actors and run a set and you know, deliver a vision and a scene in the way that it needed to be delivered. But I learned it. I learned well- it.
3: Was it designed to educate black people? Is that what you had in mind? Or was it designed to educate more white people and to get them to understand the black experience?
2: Yeah, that, that's the first time I've heard that question. Um, it's the former. I, I said this from the beginning. I made this movie for black people, and that wasn't any type of racist. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want white, I, there's a ton of white people who saw it during our theatrical release. Yeah. A lot of white people are fans on our Facebook page, but I really, the message was for, the message of the film was for black people, and it was like my kind of love letter mm-hmm. to them, if you will. Um, and I wanted to, everyone knows of like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Magna Evers, but I wanted to show some of the others, even the Caucasians in the 60s here in the States that passed, that were murdered by cops. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, cops posing as KKK members or KKK members posing as cops. And so I wanted to educate people on those mm-hmm. and let them know that even beyond their idols, like Martin Luther King and McGregor Evers, Rosa Parks, etc., there were a bunch of other people that were murdered by mm-hmm. KKK members. And I wanted to make people aware of that and then draw that line directly to today. And it's funny, like the movie finished back at the end of 2019. And then we had to go through what they call a post-production process. So that's where you add all the sound, the effects, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. But it's been really, I guess, somewhat heartening for me to now see America, at least, Mm -hmm. and maybe the world, maybe the Western world, now trying to confront white supremacy and understand how Terrible, that really is. Like, we had a huge, I don't know if you got, you saw this probably, Mm. but they basically tried to run over the Capitol. Oh, yeah, we saw that. (laughs) Everybody here in America was like, for 220 odd years, that's never happened. And now people are Mm. white supremacists are trying to take over the Capitol because a lot of black people voted, came out and voted because Donald Trump, in his, you know, his kind of racist and bigoted ways. And so they were like, well, we're not going to have that. It's like, okay, well, we're going back to the same thing in the 60s where you don't want Black people to vote because, Mm -hmm. you know, if we vote, we have a say and it's not necessarily going to align with the way you want to do things. So and it was it was just sorry to round you out there. It was. The education was foremost, but I also wanted to entertain. I always like to say that too. I wanted to entertain people.
3: You know what scene hit me hard was, um, you know, in the final scene when the police officer is saying how, he's basically saying how stupid we are and how we're, we're followers and we're sheep and how, and he used the example of like um, college football, how we just do as we're told whilst everyone else is profiting off us. And it, that made me feel so angry. And I just thought, if you were the script writer, how did you put your head into the zone of a, how a white person feels
2: and what their views are of us? Um, so, and I'm going to say this, and I hope it doesn't sound funny, but, and I think this is good of any creative writer, there are voices in my head. But it's not like a weird, you know what I mean? It's like, I can think of a scene, mm-hmm. Like if I had to write a scene of with us four and they were like, all right, Sammy is this. And then, like, I could start just in my head coming up with like, what would Sam turn to Naomi and say? Mm-hmm. And then what would Sammy jump in? And I, I don't, I, I wish I could explain it to you better than that. But it's just like when I concepted that scene, I knew I wanted a confrontation. I knew I wanted a twist where he kind of started out as innocent. And then mm-hmm. he kind of turns into the, the bad guy at the end. And then, Sam, honestly, it just started flowing. And it was just like, I knew her voice. I knew Kenny's voice. I knew the cop's voice. And it was just typing it out on the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, mm, I wonder what is he going like, right, really, to, like... It just come naturally to you. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. probably the best way to put it. It came naturally. I do yeah. think part of that comes from being an introvert and mm-hmm. listening 10 times more than I ever talk, right? Like, this is the most... Mm-hmm. I ever talk and I'm doing it because (laughs) it's a podcast, (laughs) but I like to listen in most situations and I think being able to listen and just catalog things that people say makes it easier than to create a voice of a white cop who's a racist because I've been listening to all these things and it's not cliche stuff. It's like, oh, that's how I think, that you know, it's not like, hey, I hate you guys. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, the cop was talking like a normal, you know, a normal cop until he turned And then as far as the NCAA thing, that's a big thing. Those guys are making $6 billion a year and not getting paid anything. And I've Mm. told people time and again, because African-Americans, I don't know how it is in the UK, but African-Americans in the United States are the poorest group by far, like in terms of real wealth, real estate wealth, cash wealth, 401ks. I mean, any metric. Mm -hmm. we're the poorest by far, like it's not even close. And I tell people when I was doing our theatrical tour, if you were to take six, most of those guys that play are black, it's 85, 90% black for basketball and American football. And if you were to take $6 billion a year and give that to them and let them give that back to their communities, then Mm -hmm. their parents, you would start seeing their parents' wealth increase, Mm -hmm. right? And if you did that over the course of 40 years, 50 years, since college sports have been going on, then black people wouldn't necessarily be in our condition. And so I was trying to help black people see how wealth is created, you know, how wealth is created. So yeah.
1: So I thought, I thought that was definitely an, an interesting part. And in terms of education, and I thought that was one of the bits where, yeah, you did definitely give a, a piece of information that not everyone really realizes. And throughout the movie, there's like nuggets of just, mm-hmm. of, of insight and like for one of the bits I found really interesting. One of the bits that got me angry was the, the news presenter that Sarah Cox, who, who I'm assuming is based on, on, on Candice Owen. Is that, is that, am I right in <laughs> assuming that? Because whenever anything happens in America, I go and see what Candice says. But I want to see, I want to see if there's going to be anything that happens that breaks that woman's like front that just makes her realise that she's, but so far nothing's happened to, to break her. So, but my, my thing was in terms of educating, um, Black people, not just in America, but around the world. I think movies like this are necessary. But then I just wanted to, let me just, let me hit the first question and then I'll, I'll come back to this question a bit. But I guess the first thing I wanted to ask was, in terms of, of getting that information out to everyone, what are you hoping will happen? Like, what are you hoping making a film like this actually does? And and has it actually done anything yet where you've seen real change affected from, from this sort of movie?
2: Yeah, so I, I think for one one, I think, I don't. I, can't, I don't think I could legally say it was based on Candace Owens.
3: No, I'm well, okay. just, <laughs> sorry, I would not Okay, sorry about that. I'm not that.
2: She will
1: see you. She yeah, will sue you. That,
2: I've got no money. <laughs> yeah, I can say that. That's a good observation as a viewer and an opinion. And I'll leave it at that. Um, uh, as far as getting the message out, um, I, I want. I wanted this to be a building block. Like I, I would be arrogant to say this movie alone is going to, you know what I mean? Like change the trajectory of black people in the United States. But I want it to be a little building block where people start asking questions like, you know, see, I'm saying, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. There's $6 billion. That's not going to anybody black, but they're the ones that are making the money. Like the way economics and capitalism is supposed to work is if you have the talent and the skill, you get the money. And then that's how you build the wealth. Something's mm-hmm. wrong here. So I do think, um, Uh, Another one, hey, you know, if everybody else has the right to self-defense, then we have the right to self-defense. Like, we're God created just like everybody else. It can't be one thing for the duck and another thing for the goose. It has to be the same for everybody. So I think that, yes, it's definitely for the people who've seen the movie and the comments that we kind of get back, it's definitely changed their mindset, and I think The George Floyd protests alongside kind of what's happened here in the states with the election and with Donald Trump has kind of helped that as well. People just have a different mindset and a different kind of mind shift in terms of how do we move forward. The one thing I try to do is encourage black people and I know it's difficult when you're kind of part of the poorest class because a lot of our lives are just day to day, you Mm -hmm. know. But I try to encourage black people, if they can, to think 100 years out in the future about your great grandchildren. Yeah, and if you yeah. can start thinking about, hey, man, the things I do now will impact them. Are, am I helping that person in 21, 20? When I'm, you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, I'll be dead in 2070, but mm. my kid, grandkids and great grandkids will still be here. And am I helping them with the stuff I'm doing now or am I hurting them? And I want people, black people to start answering. No, the things I'm doing now are helping my great grandkids that I'll never meet, but are set in the framework for them to be able to be successful and not have to live this oppressed, you know, this oppressed life. Right. So
0: what was I have a question for you, actually, Ryan, just based around that a lot of what I liked about the movie was kind of the love story that you built between JJ and Kenny. Yeah. And yeah. I think there was a lot of focus on that, actually. Um can you explain kind of the relevance of, of that? What, what were you trying to achieve by really kind of focusing on, on that picture? Um, it's a positive role model, isn't it? Yeah, I just wondered if there was anything from your, you know, yeah. in terms of why, because there, there was quite a lot that were dancing in the garden, that kind of yeah. thing. And actually, those kind of visuals are what stuck out for me, because yeah. obviously, the, you know, the film being based on white supremacy, I was really interested in why you decided to kind of build that strong um, love story into the. The, the script
2: Yeah. so JJ was inspired by a girl I dated for maybe okay. three months but she was really down and she was really kind of a go-getter and then the other thing I wanted to just introduce and I'll, I'll do this if I do another film mm-hmm. is I, I I don't know that there's enough black love in films yeah mm-hmm. and that That's always what... kind of bugs me yeah um and oddly enough, my brother-in-law, when we, we had the premiere and then we went to a party and mm-hmm. everybody had left and I was kind of still doing interviews and he took me over to the party and we were talking about how you rarely see Black women as the object of affection
4: mm-hmm.
2: and that that's a message in and of itself. Because when you see a woman in a movie as the object of affection, that says two things. That says, one, she's worth yeah. going after it says to everybody watching the movie, male or female, that woman there is worth going after, and mm-hmm. it says to the men, like that woman is worth protecting and conquering and doing what you need to do to make her your girl or your wife. And so I said again, I tried to be very intentional with everything I did because we got some flack on the sex scene, mm-hmm. and I was like, everything I see on Netflix has a sex scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why? Who was would that flack from American- Ryan? So, there were some critics who saw the mm. film and thought, hey, this is, you know, we, uh, I thought it was going to be a little bit too much. And it was, it was like, all right, you're mm. just saying that maybe because you haven't seen Black yeah, women that. in that role. Yeah. So, and I like mm. that Issa Rae from Insecure, she does that. She's yeah, not she does the show like the Black women being in a sex scene. And because that humanizes Black women, that makes them desirable, that says they're worth it. And I think that just, I think there's this thing in film where it's okay for everybody else, but for a black woman. So that, that Naomi, was one of my, mm-hmm. like, I wanted to put that in there and I'll do that until I die as long as I have control over the awesome. <laughs> The love story, I kind of wanted to make her a strong...
0: That definitely I, I kinda, was portrayed, yeah. I think, yeah.
2: Yeah, but I wanted to set it up where people were like, oh, the bathroom, like the bathroom scene, a lot of people are like surprised when... She picks up the gun and mm-hmm. you find out like she's the one that's really been plotting and planning and she's like giving him the last kind of moments of encouragement. Yeah. Um. And then she comes out and tries to save him at the end. But yeah. his male ego kind of gets in the way and she's like, babe, we're almost out of the woods. And he's like, <laughs> no. I mean, what Shut you up. <laughs> she's like, babe, we'll go down tomorrow. He's like, no, up. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I kind of wanted to show like, hey man, sometimes we need to listen to our women Mm. and put our ego away. You know, some guys have egos. And then if he would have just listened to her, they would have been in the clear. But he's like, hey, my ego's got in the way. I let this guy get the best of me. And she told him, people come up to me all the time and they're like, she told him before he answered the door. (laughs) He's gonna do this. He's (laughs) gonna try to get under your skin. Just let it go. But yeah, you know, he couldn't let it go. So, mm. um, and it was a—I think it was a good way to end the film. That you know, they kept. I mean, she had the baby, and then you're wondering if he's dead. And-
4: oh, so that oh, was we the
2: question. That
0: we all had a different opinion on the ending, and we didn't want to give too much away to our listeners. But oh, it's sorry. funny how yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we all had a different um, idea of what happened at the end. That's well,
2: what so what were they? What were you guys? What did you think? Um,
0: so I thought he had made it and he's alive. I thought um, he died, Sammy
1: and i thought uh, you deliberately made it ambiguous <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. i got, uh, got i've got i've got a question on that as well but yeah i mean do you want to touch on that yeah yeah thing? yeah
2: no no he he uh he died we we were going to shoot the he actual died. fight he... yeah he died Oh, he we gonna... said no, no, no. it in the caption oh <laughs> yeah, said yeah, it yeah. sorry yeah. listeners yeah. <laughs> yeah we were going to shoot the actual fight scene mm. but being a rookie director I didn't know like I thought it would take like uh stuntmen and all of that so I was just like no we're not gonna do it and then mm-hmm. when we got out to LA they were like hey man we could have had a, a fight choreographer come by for 50 bucks Oh no, <laughs> anyway, you know because it would have been really a lot of people say man we wish we could have seen the fight like they say I wanted oh, to see gosh. the fight but oh. yeah we would have showed um and that's interesting you guys asked because in the original script, they both died. Mm. He got killed and then JJ kills, the she picks up the gun. Oh, what I'd like to have seen that. Cops. That sounds like something cop. she
0: would do though. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> all right, we, just cut.
2: We cut that out. So yeah, that's good. That's good though. I like you guys all had different opinions on that ending. Okay. So.
1: Yeah. So, so my thing was right. Uh, this is a bit of a, a long-winded one, but in the film Knocked Up with uh, with Seth Rogen and like a whole bunch of other Jewish actors, they they're big fans of Inglorious Bastards, uh, the Tarantino movie. I think it's Inglorious Bastards, because in Inglorious Bastards, what happens is they show you a whole bunch of Jewish guys fighting back, like actually just taking out the Nazis themselves, not being rescued by anyone else. And for a moment, when when JJ gives him the gun and when they do it, I thought this was going to be that sort of film where actually for one, not for one, because I know there's other films, I mean, there's actually a real story like Harriet Tubman, you know, she did the thing and she got away with it. You know? <laughs> but I, I almost feel like in it, there's a lot of movies that focus on how things are and rightly so. And I just want to get your opinion on films where the show things, how things should be almost. And, you know, and mm. I guess with, with that comes maybe an element of of more fiction and more fantasy, really. I mean, even along the Black Panther line where, you know, we start showing... Uh, young black people, we start showing ourselves what things could be like, because mm. we almost know what they're like, right? You almost wrote yeah. the future with this movie because you, you released in 2019 and then 2020 happened and it was like, okay, mm. so this is real life anyway, but do, do you think there's, there's room or there's, I mean, I think I've got an appetite to see movies that just show things how they should be, like mm. with black people winning, with black people getting one over on, on, on the races, with white people getting one over on the races, you know what I mean? Like, because mm, yeah. that's a, 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 a popular victory, which is, it's not, it's not black versus white, it's, it's, you know, everyone versus racist. Yeah. It, I, I feel I almost want to see more movies where racists finally get what's coming to them, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I always say fictional, uh, fictional TV, fictional movies are programming. So it, it is, in a way, helping people envision what could be. And I I think that's much more inspiring than you than you think. I mean, you mentioned Inglorious Bastards by Quentin Tarantino. He did another one, Django Unchained. Mm. Mm. And a lot of black people were riveted because that to be honest, that was the first time I had seen something like that fictional, where, mm. you know, this guy is that bold and he's not backing down and he's talking mm. shit and he's mm. not scared. Um, you know, and I know he had a white counterpart, but I mean it's still you know the same thing I mean the guy was not you know he was not ashamed of having to kill whoever he needed to kill to get his girl back you know
4: mm.
2: so yeah I I think um and then Black Panther, I know that blew up all over the uh, all yeah, over the yeah, yeah. the world. I mean, I was I was just like, when can I move there? You know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll work on the farm. I don't <laughs> to live in that place. And you know, and the thing is, I think a lot of black people, not only here in the states, but uh, across the world, like, know those things are possible. Um, like, I've never been to Africa before, but I don't have this traditional Western view of it. Like I know Mm -hmm. I had African friends in college and I know they have skyscrapers and subway systems. And um, a big part to me, a big part of the problem is the colonialism kind of never left. You know, it left, but it never left. And it left Mm -hmm. a big scar. And, you know, I think they're still trying to heal from that. Because I tell people, and I know I'm talking a lot, but there was a guy named uh, Thomas Sankara Burkina Faso. I forget what the name of the country was before. They changed it back. But he tried when he took over, I think, in the uh, in the early 80s. Um, like, he tried to rid themselves of the World Bank, rid themselves of the IMF. Just a lot of Western institutions that had their claws in, in Africa, and he ended up getting assassinated.
4: Mm-hmm. And the
2: same with uh, yeah. Patrice Lumumba from um, yeah. the, the Congo. Columbia, Congo. Yeah, he tried yeah, to come hard. in in the 60s, and they were like, no, we're not – we're just we're indebted to colonialism. We have a colonialism mindset, and we don't want these new things. So, you know,
3: you know the black and white clips in in amongst the um the movie were they based mm-hmm. on real events? And what what, what yes. did they represent?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the um those were real people. Um, oh. we didn't have enough money to shoot. Originally, I wanted to in the script original script it was like a real. Flashback to, you know, it would have been Mm -hmm, their house or wherever it happened. And then when we started putting the shots together, we like, we can't go to, you know, it takes 12 hours to shoot at one place. We just can't do it. So we went to the dark room and then Mm -hmm. I said, well, let's do some abstracts. And uh, actually, it turned out better than I would have thought. The Mm -hmm. guy who edited the clips Mm -hmm. really did a good job with like moving the guy in the mask around and kind of making it really scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. he made it really like I was very impressed when he he took it. And then two weeks later, he came back and I was like, holy crap, this is really good. Like, I think this is going to be great when people see this because there's such a different it's so jarring from the rest of the film, you know, and then, you know, you're like, when you see that fire graphic, you're going into that kind of world. And you're like, man, this guy again. Who's he gonna kill? You know. Yeah. But yeah, those were all real people that, um, unfortunately, you know, they they were they died in the service of civil rights, but unfortunately, they were killed by um, law enforcement officers who were aligned with the Ku Klux Klan. And I wanted to honor their memory because we don't mm-hmm. hear about them a lot, and then also give um, people a chance to learn more about uh, learn more about those individuals.
3: The KKK. um, Are they that connected to the police even now, do you think, in the U.S.?
2: Yeah, the KKK KKK is more now a euphemism for just white supremacy because the the KKK as a real organization Mm -hmm. is less, but now you hear about groups like the Proud Boys. uh, They have a ton of militias. So it's essentially the same. It's like a soccer club in Europe, you know, like they have mm-hmm. one name one year and then somebody buys it and they have another name, but yeah. it's, yeah, same. it's a soccer, it's a soccer mm-hmm. team. So that's kind of how, or a football team, you know, that's kind of how I look at it here. The KKK is not so bad as they used to be, mm-hmm. but they represent kind of white supremacy in the film. And that's the purpose of, of using that name in the film.
0: Um, I have a question then. So the, the lady, the white lady that called the police on Kenny's brother. The Karen, the Karen. <laughs> so that reminds me of that lady um, this year, actually, the one that was in Central Park with the dog mm-hmm. off the leash, that, that called yeah. you know, the, yeah. the police on, on the black guy. So yeah. obviously this, this script obviously took place before that. So I was just going to say, yeah. a lot of these elements are really representing kind of um, real life, Things yeah. that happened after afterwards. So I think you're a bit psychic actually, Ryan. Um so how tell us a little bit about kind of that we know about the stereotypes and that kind of thing. Did you think that was really important um to include in the movie?
2: I did, yeah, I did. I really wanted to show and it's it's crazy because you're right. Like this was written, I tell people all the time, like this I didn't just make the movie yesterday. Like this was yeah. done, you know, and it just happened that we started seeing these things happen a lot more frequently uh, but to me they've been happening right like I know a lot of times if you ever read police reports that they'll say hey we got a call and somebody told yeah. us you know there was a strange looking guy on the corner and you're like well who called right who did yeah. he look strange to because
4: mm-hmm, it's true.
2: they didn't look that strange Philando Castillo didn't look that strange to me he looks like yeah. any of my friends you know what I mean um, and I'm sure you guys probably have seen that too. It's like mm-hmm. he just had a yeah. backwards hat on and a sweatshirt. I was that yeah. strange. It's just you know Trayvon Martin when George Zimmerman called in and mm-hmm. he's like, the kid has a hoodie sweat. Like, are you kidding me? They make millions of hoodies a year. Like, yeah. So to me, it, one of the things I wanted to kind of get across because she never out outright says like, hey, I'm scared of this black guy and he shouldn't be here and blah, blah, blah. but like that's really what she's saying, right? Mm-hmm. She's saying. She thinks she's being innocent. Mm. She was really calm, wasn't she? Yeah, I'm just calling because I want to be a good citizen. But Mm -hmm. in essence, you're calling the kill squad because that's what happens most of the time. A kill squad shows up because they hear black man, scary. I think he's a drug dealer, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. All of these things that you're just assuming without even like like the lady in Central Park. And I thought that was pretty egregious because we saw for the first time how, how they lie.
3: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: He started screaming and said, I'm yeah. scared. And <laughs> if the yeah. cops would have shown up, they would have killed that guy.
4: Mm. Because yeah. they
2: would have thought somebody's being attacked. And she was, she was like, he was 10 feet away from her. And she was just going on and on. And I thought, you know what? So he's lucky he had a phone mm. and he was able to document that because if he didn't and the cops showed up, they would have thought, based on the operator that she was being attacked and yeah. they needed to come in guns blazing. So,
3: And it was lucky that he was calm and articulate because you can imagine if it was someone else that would have reacted differently, it would have been a different situation, wouldn't it really?
2: Well, I think she, she's kind of lucky It was the right, the right, the right, mm-hmm. you Black know, man. the right guy. Because <laughs> yeah, there are a few yeah. brothers, I think, in New York that, you know, they're not, prison isn't, mm-hmm. th- that's not a deterrent for them. And if you don't no. do that, then, you know, because, I mean, to me, that was, tantamount to a crime herself she's just waiting for somebody else to come in and do the hurting mm-hmm. on her end but she's doing that because she wants somebody to come in and hurt this guy and he hasn't done anything and that's just that's unfortunate
3: so will this be your last film then Ryan <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> or are you waiting I- for more inspiration I have planned for it to, to be I never wanted to be in, in film, but uh, I was actually talking with the producer last night and we're, oh. uh, I can't say too much, but we're um we're at the beginning of trying to do something a little bigger and better. So the one thing I did say is that if I do it again, I want to do it, you know, I want to do a, a level up, as we say here in the States, with means yeah. a little bigger. So we need to raise a little bit more money. Uh, yeah. Some people have seen the film. We had a couple. Um, and this is how this meeting yesterday kind of came about. There was a, a celebrity that had seen the film. And I was like, all right, well, let's mm-hmm. put together a pitch deck and see if we can get him on board for our next film and if we can get a little bit more money and a little bit better class of, you know, people involved. Maybe we can get a Denzel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love to work with Denzel. So oh. great, that guy's great. You guys have a good actor too, the Adris Elba. Yeah, yeah. we got, yeah. yeah, got a lot. We love, of yeah, we got a lot. Daniel, yeah. I didn't know that. Is Daniel kalua from britain or is he from? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah.
1: I didn't know
2: Adris Elba was. Let me tell you guys this story. I don't know if we have time, but. So there's a show in the, U- in the US called The Wire. Oh, yeah, yeah. we know that very we know well. That. We know The Wire. It's great. It's a great show because it's, yeah. it, doesn't, um, it doesn't glamorize drug dealing. It shows like, how it really is. Mm-hmm. And he's great in that show. And a lot of Black people here in the States love him. We, I still call him Stringer Bell. Like, when oh, I see gosh. Him, like, oh, <laughs> string. I still call him Stringer Bell. Anyways, <laughs> I saw him doing an interview. This is probably like 2009, 2010. And I was like, why does he sound so funny? <laughs> because I just knew him as Trigger Bell. And I was like, why well, yeah. is said, I know him from The Wire. Why does dude sound? I was like, oh, he must be doing a movie. He's trying to stay in character. And then I think the person I was with, Layla, she was like, no, he's British. I was like, no, no, no. He's not talking like he's doing a character. She's like, no, he's from the UK. Like, he's British. I was like, holy crap. Like, he is. I didn't know. Like, nobody would have. He did that part. so well well. have you ever watched
3: snowfall with damson idris he's british as well
2: guy i just learned that because he was in a movie on netflix that i just watched with um he's in a film he's yeah not the extraction it was another it was an army movie yeah that brother's a good actor i like him and Snowfall, i'm surprised that he's able to to uh, like, I'm Franklin Stein. I'm, Franklin Saint. <laughs> like, I'm not surprised he's able to to get the essence of a Compton black guy from the yeah. '80s down as well as he is, because I think he's probably theatrically trained and yeah, you know, he's one of those that sound you know you're like, hey man, that guy's from D.K. And then Daniel Kaluuya, I mean, you know, yeah. I'm really yeah. looking forward to his Fred Hampton. I want to see what he does with with uh, with Fred Hampton. I'm looking forward to that. He's doing the Judas and the um, Black Messiah.
4: Yeah. We're
0: taking um, over.
2: Yeah. Do yeah, you ever need
0: yeah. anyone for any um, to help you out? Sammy's got a um, film A level
1: <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah. laughs> so yeah, yeah, And theatre studies, yeah, yeah. And studies. And
0: I thought you were gonna put yourself <laughs> forward
4: for
3: acting then nine. I was gonna be like, oh yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> throw me
1: under the bus yeah, yeah. Oh gosh.
3: Yeah. All right then. Thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah. yeah.
0: Thanks Ryan and Sammy as well. And Sammy. Yeah. yeah I think, well, we will have a link um, for the listeners. If they want to kind of check the movie out, we really recommend it. Highly recommend yeah. it. Um, so thank you for joining us today. It was a really interesting conversation just to hear kind of, you know, your ideas for the film and how that came about.
2: Yeah. Sam, Naomi, Sammy, I appreciate you guys having me on so much. And I know it's late. I've really enjoyed this. This has been my favorite interview
0: oh so thank far. you thanks yeah. you're welcome back anytime ryan <laughs> with your blockbuster awesome. movie <laughs>
2: awesome.
0: think positive put it out there
2: there you go yeah there you go
0: so that's it for this episode i hope you enjoyed it as much as we did um as always keep in touch with us on our social channels so instagram at this is unsure podcast and twitter at unsure underscore podcast and we'll see you next week
4: bye, bye.